0: All right, Ariana Vanderpool-Wallace, Jules Harris, and Elvis Barras. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing?
1: Great. I'm doing wonderful.
0: Well, I appreciate it. Uh, this is a different one for me. I'm not political in the sense that I've just tried to put a podcast together that talks about performance. Generally I I try and stay away from tabloid. I try and stay away from people's um, (laughs) private lives, but I'm really interested in performance. Um, But I think, you know, with what's going on in the world, we really needed to kind of get together and chat. So I wanted to get three people that I really respect on the podcast that have opinions, strong opinions on what's going on right now. And I, I really want to do less talking and more listening and want to get your guys' opinion on where we're at right now and how you feel about it. So maybe I'll just start with, uh, Ariana, let's start with you. How do do you feel right now and what's going on in your life?
2: Um, honestly, I have to say that, um, a lot of the things that I've been, have been going through my brain are, I feel like we've kind of been here before, um, We could start back with Trayvon Martin and all of that stuff and everybody trying to be active. But I truly feel like today, this week, last week, we're seeing a change in the way that people are seeing the world. Um, People are opening up and telling their stories. It's an uncomfortable uh, world that we're living in right now. And um, we have the opportunity to tell our stories now and people are actually gonna listen to them. Uh, So I'm excited and happy to see the changes that are being made. I'm happy to see that all of my friends are reaching out to me and saying, Hey, what can we do? Where can we be? Um, everybody knows that the swimming community is 99.9% Caucasian. And so, um, the three of us are one of maybe a hundred people, if that in the swimming community in the U S, um, that are black. And so, We, the three of us, I think, can all say that we have lived in this world where it's predominantly white and you get used to it to a certain extent. And so it's exciting to see the movement that is happening, um, not just in the swimming world, but in the U.S. And the entire world is opening up and being part of this. So that's really incredible.
0: Yeah, well said. You know, we'll dig into that more. But Jules, I just want to hear from you. I, I saw something that you posted on Instagram a couple of days ago and it was very moving. And I know that you're not the type of person to speak politically like that yourself and kind of dig into some of these issues, but it was really profound some of the things that you said. Could you just want to share with us um your thoughts on on what you posted? Yeah, so um
3: I kind of just like started out by, you know, letting everyone know and everyone that like knows me knows that I grew up and didn't really talk about ever like race and um I grew up like in a mostly like white neighborhood and you know like our schools were like um there was there's like every race represented in our schools and stuff but I um had like mostly white friends and um so I just never really talked about that growing up I knew it was always kind of out there but like in my head I was like okay well like I don't Judge people by their race. So, why would they judge me by my race? And it took, you know, some things like Ariana said, like Trayvon Martin, for me to be like, oh my gosh, like this is a bigger issue than I think it is. Um, and especially in these last few weeks. And it's like hard accepting that um, it is really out there and that it took all of this for people to really come together and um, think about, you know, change and this big movement going on. But Um, I think it's very good and very wise of um, people to reach out to Black people that they know and um, that they care about and let them know that they're listening and that they're open to, you know, learning about what's going on. And I've had a lot of people tell me that they are changing their viewpoints or working harder to change because they know that they can be better. Um, I had a teammate ask me, if it ever makes me uncomfortable that I am the only black one, you know, on the pool deck or um, just on our team in general. And I told her that I think that sometimes I don't care just because that's all I've known growing up. And sometimes it is kind of weird when I'm at a swim meet and say like a younger black girl comes up to me and she does ask me like for a picture or, you know, just ask to talk to me. And I think it's adorable and I love it because I was the same way. Like, I would go up to like, even when I was in like, freshman or sophomore year of high school, like I went up to Simone Manuel at NCSA. And my mom and I talked to her and her mom for a while. And I think that it used to bother me a little bit when people would be like, Oh, like, did she ask you for a picture? Because you're both black. And I would kind of get uncomfortable. And now I know that I need to kind of stand up for that and be like, yeah, that's probably it. But it's not just because I'm black. It's because I am a black swimmer at, you know, the level that I am. And, you know, it's people like Ariana that did swim at Auburn before me that, you know, gives younger black swimmers a voice and just younger black kids in general, because we're doing something that people know and think that most black people can't do. So it's been uncomfortable, but I'm getting more comfortable with being uncomfortable this week.
0: Yeah. Well, you grew up in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and I kind of want to dig into that as well. I we'll come back to that. But Elvis, uh, what's your perspective on this? You know, you uh, grew up in the Bahamas, just like Ariana did, uh, you know, in your informative childhood years and then moved to the U S uh, for college. Uh, what's it been like in your experience and, and how has the, the last few weeks affected you?
1: Well, Basically touching on what both of them said, the last few weeks have been uncomfortable, exciting, interesting, uh, kind of a mix of emotions. Because I have had, you know, some friends reach out to me and say, like, "Hey, like I saw this on your Facebook, or I saw this video somewhere else, and I just wanted to reach out to you and let you know, like, you matter to me, and you know, I, I understand that I don't understand." and i don't know the right words to say but i just want you to know that you know i appreciate you as a person and and what's going on and it you know it's it's it means something for them to just say just to say something and the fact that i know that they don't really know what to say but they just want me to know that i know they don't know what to say i guess it's it's hard to explain but i've gotten a few messages like that and it's been it's been kind of nice. I'm like, oh, wow, this is, this is new. I've never had this before. Um, so that's been, that's been what the past few weeks have been like. And it's really opened the door for us to have these uncomfortable conversations with people who probably suppress these feelings or these, uh, these talks in the past. Because I know, you know, when Trayvon Martin happened, you know, people kind of touched on it and just kind of went quiet. And then when Colin Kaepernick knelt for the National Anthem, people either didn't address it or they said, oh, he's stupid or, you know, get him off the field. Uh, He should just play football. And then you see LeBron James and Kobe Bryant wearing the shirts that said, I can't breathe after um, um, the gentleman in New York was choked out and for selling cigarettes or something. And, you know, they, they told him to shut up and dribble. So time after time, all these you know, peaceful acts of protest, silent protests, went by and it was like our voices didn't matter because um, that's how the backlash was. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, the people are tired now. People are tired of not being heard. And I believe it was JFK who said a riot is the voice of the unheard, um, quote something like that. And I think that's what we're seeing now. Um, Not that I can, I don't condone looting and violence. um, But unfortunately, when you you can only push people so far until they lash out and don't know how to control their anger. And that's what we're seeing. And hopefully, something positive comes out of it. We're actually seeing some reforms being put in place. And um, people are having these conversations and now thinking twice before they open their mouth when they, you know, when they speak to people like us. Um, I already forgot what your question was. So,
0: well, it's interesting that you say people like us and you and I were having this conversation earlier today privately. And, you know, as a, as a white man, um, it's hard for me to know exactly how to address people of color. Do I say black people? Do I say people of color? Do I say, I mean, there's so many different ways that, um, you know, we're we're stating it in a politically correct way. But for me, like I grew up in Australia, so I wasn't, um, in the level of racism that I experience in America is so much more uh, amplified. You know, when I came to America at the age of 21, I could really feel racism. And maybe uh, it's because I was maybe in the majority in Australia. I just didn't see as many people, of color or black people or however i 'm supposed to say it i don 't even know how i 'm supposed to say it, and that's kind of the conversation I was having with you like as a white, as a white person, how do you want it to come out when when people address you know who you are
1: yeah, so I, I guess as we spoke about earlier, um, I tend to i think I think all these different terms spawned from the political correctness movement uh, like back in the day like in high school we would say you know oh that's gay if something was you know lame or whatever and I can't tell you the last time I said that word because it's just not it's not appropriate anymore. and I think when um, when the population started you know picking up on this political correctness, you know out of good intentions, you know they came up with different terms they started using the term African American more mm. started using the term, people of color or PLC for short. And and I think um, out of good intentions, they may have missed the mark somewhere because I've done television interviews and I'm certain this has probably happened to Ariana too, where they would refer to us as African-American. And Ariana and I are not from America. So that doesn't technically, that doesn't really include us. Mm. Um, so we are black, which is which is fine to say. And, uh, I tend to look at the intention versus what the person versus the, the actual word. Cause if someone calls me African-American, I know, I know what they mean. I'm not going to get offended by that. And I was actually, I think it was Rowdy Gaines. I was doing an interview with, and he used the, the term colored and somebody mentioned to me like, wow, that was really offensive. What he said. And I was like, Rowdy's not a race. Like <laughs> I know that we all know that. So I understand where he was coming from and what he was trying to do to maybe not use the term black that can be used in a derogatory way so i I usually look at the person's intention in their heart what they really mean uh, when they address us Mm
0: -hmm. yeah
2: i mean Uh, my mom came and visited in uh when i was at school in auburn and i remember when i committed to auburn and a lot of my bahamian friends were like sure you want to go to the state of alabama which (laughs) At the time and still is known as like one of the furthest behind in the progression. And from my point of view, I, the number of like racist incidents that I see saw in Alabama were few and far between. I mean, I'm, there were several of students and parents that were uncomfortable, but never anything where I would have been like, Oh yeah, I'm not happy at Auburn. I felt super safe in Auburn and Opelika I would go all over Alabama and felt safe. But I remember my mom coming and visiting and saying she like got lost on the road and somebody came out of their house and said, you colored woman, get out of here. And to me, like when you say that word,
3: Mm.
2: you can say it in a nice way. A person of color. Sure. I don't care. You can call me black. Sure. I don't care. You can call me African-American, not technically African-American, but whatever. But like, just like Elvis was saying, like, it's the intention that you say the word with. Hmm. it's it's where it's coming from but I can you can use words to call other races other races and if you say it in a super racist way then yeah it's going to come across as racist yeah. so I think it's like people that are comfortable in a relationship with somebody if you live in a town of 3000 people and you've never seen a black person before and you called me colored probably not going to come off the right way
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true That's true uh jules you know the first time i saw the video pop up of of george floyd's murder uh i couldn't i couldn't watch it um and then i I don't know when it was exactly but i I knew i had to go back and and i kind of forced myself like you you have to watch this you know no matter what it was just too important and i knew that i needed to see um i needed to see the effect that this was having on the black community, I needed to witness it myself. So I forced myself to go back and watch this murder. And it was horrifying. I remember just crying and I remember just being angry and, and disgusted at the same time. Have you had a chance to, did you do the same thing, Jules?
3: Yeah, I was actually the same way when the video first came out. Um, I was like, there's no way I can watch this. Like I can't even watch a dog die on a movie. Like I can't watch this and I kept seeing people post and like all the I can't breathe quotes and then I was came across this tweet and it was somebody saying like I don't understand how you can't want justice for George Floyd when you hear him cry out for his mom and -hmm. so that's when I went back and watched the video and I had to pause it several times and just kind of like take in everything going on and I had to listen to the people in the background talking and then I had to read the comments and there were people, you know, getting angry about, you know, the people just recording and the people just standing there not doing anything. And I couldn't help but think like, those people are thinking like, if I step in, like, that's going to be me. And so it just, it was very heartbreaking. And I honestly hope that everyone has seen that video. If they still don't understand what's going on. Um and i actually saw today that um george floyd's mother actually died and so when like uh, a few years ago and so when he was calling out for his mom i watched the video again and it just made it even worse that Um, time
0: wow i didn't know that That, that's horrifying terrible
1: um
0: yeah i I don't even know what to say after that it's just i have these memories of the video coming back and it's just makes me sick but Elvis just in terms of why do you think this was the tipping point like where, where we're at in in the country and, in, and then the effect that it's had on the world why do you think this one in particular was the tipping point?
1: I unfortunately I think it was the tipping point because of the way it happened usually it's oh this guy got a black guy got shot by the police you know it, it's done Or this one, we watched, you know, this, you know, the psychopath basically kneel on this guy's neck for almost 10 minutes, nine minutes. And we just watched the life slowly drain out of a human being while like four other people begging him to stop, not, you know, and I had those same thoughts that, uh, you know, you guys had, like, if I were there, would I have stepped in? And then it's like, Probably not because, you know, four cops versus me, you know, we'd both be probably both be dead and or say I did step in and save him. then they would say, oh, that's, you know, he just, uh, re, uh, what's it called, got in the way of an arrest or, you know, um, so it, it's it's almost it's almost sad that it, it's like he it had to happen the way it did in order for us to get where we are. And, you know, I don't wish death on anybody and I I hate that he died the way he did, but I don't know if we would have gotten this far if he didn't.
0: Yeah. Ariane, I think uh, I learned a lot or a lot of things were reinforced during this quarantine. And one of the things that was reinforced to me, especially early on, um, was that uh, a virus like this doesn't discriminate. Like we're all human. And that's for me, it was it's so weird that we get to this point where we're fighting over, you know, a, a, a race of people when we're all the same race, really, all we are is just different colors. And, uh, and so I was reminded of that during this coronavirus that it can take anybody out. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, it doesn't matter what country you're from. It doesn't matter, you know, what demographic you're from. It, we're all human and it's taking anybody out who is human. You feel the same way?
2: Yeah, I I think and to go back to kind of your other question to Elvis too, it's like I think one of the reasons that this is making such an impact is because people are seeing that people are at home, we have nothing to do, we're all in quarantine. So all we have is the opportunity to watch what's happening and uh no matter what media you're watching, it you're seeing you're seeing a change. And so I think it's crazy that a lot of people are now seeing like your life is not promised tomorrow. And especially with this virus, like there it's not, it's an unknown, unseeing virus. You can get sick tomorrow and you don't know that your life is gonna continue beyond the two weeks or whatever they say. So I think it's I think it's like the perfect storm, unfortunately. Um we have the opportunity to be at home to watch this media and to see these videos and to learn. And I've had so many friends that have sat back and been like, I've never thought about it this way. And now I have the opportunity to because I have time. And the people that have lost their family members, unfortunately to this virus, and there's they realize like you're in a place right now where you're realizing how precious life is. I think it's very easy to watch on the media, somebody lose their lives, black, white, Asian and you can see them lose their lives and you're like, wow, that's really unfortunate. But right now it's death is so prevalent in this country, especially mm. every, you realize how precious every single person's life is. So um, I think that's probably why this is the precipice of something of a, a huge change.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Jules, I do want to go back to the fact that you grew up in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And like you said, the majority of, uh, the swimming community is white. Did you experience, you know, racism growing up, whether it be, uh, within your own community or within the swimming community?
3: Um, so I was actually talking about this the other day, but I have never like personally like experienced racism. Like no one's ever been racist towards me. And, um, this week has given me a lot of time to go back and think like, did someone ever make a joke and comment that went over my head and I just didn't think about it that I would probably correct now. And, um, you know, like growing up in Tuscaloosa, like, like Ariana said, like everyone thinks like Alabama is just, you know, hardcore, just super old fashioned. Um, and like in some parts it still really is when I do take back roads to Auburn, There are multiple houses with, you know, Confederate flags still hanging. And it does, like, kind of scare me a little bit. Um, But in Tuscaloosa, you know, there's always going to be some racist people out there, but um, none that I've ever personally experienced. Um, I did go to school with the girl whose grandfather actually denied um, enrollment for Black people um, at the university. everyone knew that, you know, small town, everyone knows each other's relatives. And that a lot of times did make me uncomfortable. And she never um, showed that towards me. But it was one of those things that was always in the back of my head. So nothing ever super uncomfortable. But now is this time is starting to really get my brain going and thinking about things that I need to probably start speaking up on if people do make those jokes that they may not think offensive. I I don't want them to say it
0: to me, and me not say anything, and they go say it to the wrong person. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, when I moved from Australia, I, I hadn't experienced, you know, racism in terms of black and white like I experienced it once I came to America. And I moved to I moved to the U.S. when I was twenty-one, and um, within the first few months, started dating a Jamaican woman, and um, we ended up uh, getting married and being married for twenty years, and. But but I did notice there were times where, you know, my teammates would be watching a football game and I would walk in and they'd be saying certain things about the football players. And, and let me just say this, my team was all white at the time, you know, so they'd be saying, they'd be saying certain words and, and names um, that, you know, is are, are extremely racist and made me uncomfortable. And as soon as I would walk in the room, they'd stop, you know? And so, I didn't experience racism in my face by the fact that I was married to a black woman and my, my children, I've had four children and I raised them in Auburn, Alabama. And personally, again, I haven't experienced racism that is right up in your face, but I know that it exists. And I know that if I, you know, walk into certain rooms, I'm going to be walking into a room of people that think a certain way for sure. But again, it hasn't been right up in my face. So that has been, that has been a good thing. And, you know, when I recruited athletes, I would, I would tell them the same thing. Honestly, I haven't experienced it close up for me, but that doesn't mean that it's not there and it doesn't exist because I know it is and I know I have racist friends and they, they think a certain way. So, um, Elvis, did you experience that when you are at Kentucky at University? Did you experience similar things?
1: So when I came to Kentucky as a freshman, there was already a Bahamian swimmer there, Nakia DeVoe. Uh, she was the first female Olympian, and she actually inspired me to try to make the Olympics. Um, but I went there to kind of follow after her, and there was also another gentleman who was an African American on in my in my class as well. So there were three of us uh, at the. I see Ariana smiling. <laughs> so there there were three of us on the team at the time, um, and I didn't have any issues with. My teammates at all, you know, they are all very, you know, they saw me as a person, another swimmer, which was great. But I, when I was hanging out with the um, the African American gentlemen, um, I noticed there would be we would find ourselves in situations that we would both experience the exact same thing, but we would both interpret it completely different. And I think it's because of my Bahamian upbringing where. You know black people are the majority so we have to find other creative means of discriminating against people i guess Mm -hmm. you know every culture wants to feel superior to another culture in one way or another whether it's class or nationality or something but you couldn't really do that with color in the bahamas because you know we were the majority so like i remember there was one instance um something happened i think uh we were walking towards the door and I know a white lady was holding the door open for like you know white person white person and she looks back and she sees us two and you know she kind of does a double take and then just walks in and slams the door behind her so in my naive Bahamian mind I'm thinking oh she was probably that awkward distance when you're holding the door for somebody you know and like you don't know what to do so she just decided to leave out of awkwardness and in his mind he was like wow that was you know, that was really racist. Like, did you see how she looked at us and like what she did? And like, are you sure, man? Like so I mean, that's kind of a small example, but you know, there would be other situations, you know, maybe I'm in the restaurant. Um, you know, if I were maybe on a date with a white woman, you know, maybe people would walk two older ladies may walk by and like do a second glance and mention something and look over and like, Oh, maybe they like my shirt or <laughs> you know, so it's racism was never the first response in my head um, and I think that's just from my cultural upbringing um, so I like Jules said, I, now I kind of think back to situations that have happened to me and I wonder was that racism or am I overthinking it but no one's ever came up in my face and was like, you know, get out of here you colored boy, or whatever, you know yeah. actually I lied, one, that happened to me one time, it was a drunk frat boy one drunk frat
0: boy did that. Yeah. Well, we, I can't make any excuses for drunk frat boys. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ariana, have you ever experienced any hostility, like in, in a policing situation, being pulled over and treated a certain way or uh, anything like that? Oh, Ariana, I muted
2: myself because my dogs. Um, uh-huh. uh, so I was when i i moved back to auburn to work for the university for a year and um dated a guy that lived in birmingham who happened to be a white guy and um was driving back to auburn one time by myself in my car and got pulled over for speeding i was going like maybe five miles over the speed limit and the police officer pulled me over berated me um and at the time in my brain i was like okay he's just having a bad day whatever, Um, and he gave me a ticket, and it was like a $200 ticket, which I was like, okay, I mean, I guess if he wants to be a pain in my butt today, but whatever, he's having a bad day. Not even a week later, we're driving back to Auburn, and my boyfriend is driving my car, so the exact same car, same same tags, driving my car. He's going 15 over the speed limit, same police officer pulls us over, and um, he was... Um, was like cordial. He was like, okay, well, that's fine. Um, Just slow down next time. And I remember being like, that's weird. I can't believe he would do that and say, and you wouldn't have Mm -hmm. like, he was going way faster than I was. And I remember seeing him come out of his car and tapping my boyfriend on the leg at the time and being like, this is about to be a ride because he was not very nice to me. And then at the time, just watching this whole an encounter go down and i was like wow guess it must be nice to be a white boy <laughs> but in like when he pulled me over at the time i was like okay he's just having a bad day he wasn't like absurd rude but just like you were going five miles over and you need to be careful and blah 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 and i'm gonna write you this ticket i'm not letting you get away with it and i was like okay like i'm not trying to fight you i'm just mm-hmm. trying to get back i live in auburn i was going i'm coming back from birmingham and then my boyfriend was just like oh yeah i'm sorry i didn't realize i was going over the speed limit and he was like okay no worries just be safer time." so that i mean like wow. that was proof in the pudding for me
0: <laughs> yeah yeah
2: that old two, 280 or whatever that road is
0: <laughs> uh jules i saw are you back with us yes okay, i'm here <laughs> i don't know what
3: happened but i'm good
0: that's all right. I did see you at a rally the other day. Why did you feel like you, you wanted to go and do that? And what, what was that experience like?
3: Um, so I heard that there were some speakers from the um, NAACP coming in Tuscaloosa. And um, so I was in Auburn the weekend before, and there was um, another peaceful protest on Sunday. And some of my friends went, and they told me that it was really cool and that there was another one coming up and they are like, we'd love to go with you. And and, um, so I went, what was that? Like Tuesday afternoon, I think. And it was very powerful in the sense of number one, how many people came together and were there to just listen and ready to open their hearts, open their minds and just learn. And um, the speaker actually talked about how we do need to keep the protests peaceful. And he was saying that, you know, if you start the violence again, then, you know, there's probably going to be more attacking like we do see on the internet and on social media right now. So when we, if we ever get violent or get angry, just remember, you know, if you get angry right now and do something that you regret, it might mess it up for another black person somewhere else so he just kind of reminded us that right now as much as we're trying to inform other people about you know our culture and just standing up for what's right we also have to protect each other in this time because there are people that are starting to come out and stand with us but there's also people coming out and showing that they are really against us so it's just a matter of you know putting your heart out there and um, standing up for what's right. So that's really why I went. I wanted to listen to what he had to say and um, just kind of see everyone out there. And I also saw a police officer that I knew, um, Father, and he was telling me that he loved seeing the protest and he loves listening to everything. And he wishes that it didn't have to be like this, and that everyone could just, you know, think like each other and get along and love one another. But stuff like this is needed so hearing him say that was pretty heartwarming yeah so it was good
0: nice well i want to give each of you a chance to say finish up and say whatever you want to say so i'm going to start with you elvis um you know what what are some things that you feel like you just want to say right now
1: um even though swimming isn't the most diverse sport and USA Swimming has put in a lot of programs that has addressed that, um, which I think is great. Um, the the outpour of support that I've seen so far has been good and I know I appreciate it. And I'm sure we all appreciate it. So if anybody feels uncomfortable bringing it up, I think now is kind of the best time to bring it up because not only are you know white people now more ready to listen, but black people feel more empowered to speak. So, if you know if you feel if you feel uncomfortable or you have any questions you've always wanted to ask or anything like that, just you know reach out to reach out to your black friend. Now's the time. And if you don't and if you don't have any, reach out to me. Message me on Facebook, Instagram. I'll I'll answer any questions for you. No judgment.
0: You don't need any more friends, man. You got enough friends, okay? (laughs) That's
1: true. And they don't even like me. (laughs) They don't
0: even like me. Uh, Ariana, what about you? I want—I want to give you a chance to say whatever you want to say.
2: Um, I feel the same as Elvis. Um, If you have questions, don't be afraid to reach out. Um, When Brett asked me to do this conversation, I originally said no because, honestly, I'm it's exhausting. Um, and I'm at the point where I'm like, I have to be honest now because if I'm not going to be honest, when am I going to be honest? Um, and so it's been exhausting because for, uh, I, I think all three of us can probably say that the majority of our community are white people. And so I've had a lot of people that have reached out to me and said, I'm so sorry. I had no idea because a lot of us just have stayed quiet about, um, our feelings and stuff that has happened to us and um i posted maybe like a week before this and brett you saw it um, about the vanderbilt athletic director Mm. she's the first african-american um athletic director of an sec school and that was my goal uh originally and i had somebody tell me that that wasn't possible and so at the time i remember being like wow that's really unfortunate that you think that way but you might be right, because that's the way that our world is. And now looking back, I'm saying, no, we can do whatever that we want to do. I'm a female and I'm black and I can do whatever I want to do, just like everybody else. So um, I want to empower and I want all of the black girls that are coming up behind me and behind Jules to feel empowered, to know that there is no there is no cap to what we're able to do. Um, We are capable of everything and anything. Um, and unfortunately sometimes our handicap is that we don't know the right people. If anybody out there is watching this and you want to reach out to me, I'm all here for your questions, whatever, reach out to me. I'm at Anna Bahama on Instagram and Anna Bahama at Gmail. Please email me. I'm here.
0: Awesome all right jules you're up next uh look i just want to say this about you jules you have amazing parents uh, beautiful people and uh, are uh you know i i helped recruit recruit you to auburn to swim for us and um i'm not taking away from your parents either ariana okay but i'm just saying <laughs> jules has some really I cool parents
2: me too, what the heck
0: no i know i know i know i know, I know. Jeez, Now i feel like an idiot <laughs> I'm talking specifically to Jules.
2: <laughs> okay. Okay.
0: I'll, I'll come back to you and your parents. I'll call
2: right you don't like them anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You've had incredible parents. Okay. There's many things I could say about your parents. Beautiful people. but listen Jules, I just want to say that you know how what what kind of conversations have they had with you uh in terms of you being uh African American, you know, termed um you know growing up in in a, a white sport, let's say. Um you know, did they have conversations with you growing up? Or is this the first time you're having these types of conversations?
3: Yeah, so growing up, I have always, you know, just asked the questions like, okay, why don't more black people swim? And then there's sometimes where my parents would be like, well, that's awesome that you're sometimes the only black person on the pool deck, because, you know, people can see that. And that may be, you know, another black parent or another black little girl or boy's reason to get into the sport of swimming, because they know that, You know, if you just keep getting into the sport, then more and more people will come in and look like you. And so my mom often a lot of times growing up would show me pictures of, you know, other black swimmers that were out there, you know, representing big colleges because that was always my goal. Um, And so when I did start looking at Auburn, of course, like she started showing me a lot of pictures of Ariana. And that was great. And that was amazing motivation. And so it was great when I did go on my recruiting trip and Ariana was working there at the time. Um, so yeah, we've had those conversations, but, um, a lot of times my mom was just kind of like, you know, love people the way that you want to be loved and treat people the way that you want to be treated. And so that's just always what I did. And I never really thought about race. And, um, so it's been tough talking to them about everything going on this week. Um, but my mom just keeps reminding me, you know, you were raised, right. And you, like your Instagram caption the other day like proved it that we did a good job and you know not to judge a person by their color and um, my mom she's a sweet lady she's sweet and sassy but she'll she'll let me know when you know she's angry about something and you know this definitely has made her a little angry but more just sad that you know the world can't view us all as equal right now
0: yeah that's true. Good point. It is uh, It is sad, but it's also exciting that we're here and we're facing this and and uh, people seem to be listening this time. For whatever reason, it's a good thing that people are protesting, which is great as well, but people are listening and people uh, like Drew Brees, you know, we all saw Drew Brees' comments the other day where he said something and then had to come back and apologize because he just didn't think about them the right way. And I don't think Drew Brees is intentionally a racist, but the way that the insensitivity of his words. And I think that's, that's where a lot of white people get caught as well is like, we just don't think we don't put ourselves in your shoes and and say, well, how did Jules feel when she was growing up in a predominantly white sport, like swimming, how awkward did she feel? And, you know, Ariana, you know, I call myself a five time Olympian. And one of those times that I went to the Olympics was because of you. And you know, I have that on my resume. But you invited me to come to the Olympics with the Bahamas. And the only reason why I am a five time Olympian instead of a four time is because of you and the fact that you invited me to represent the Bahamas. And that was um, a huge honor and a privilege for me. But it, it certainly was a time where I felt like an outsider and, and that's really probably a time where, you know, I could put myself in your shoes as a as a black female swimmer in a predominantly white sport where I went to the Olympics with the Bahamas and I just felt like an outsider because I'm not from the Bahamas, you know? And and so I get it in that sense, but um you guys have all had a huge impact on me in, in different ways. I thank you guys for being on here today and talking and being honest and open. And I hope this, um, will impact some other people. And I hope, I hope there are people listening that do choose to reach out to you and talk to you because you're all great people. So thanks again.
1: Thanks. Pleasure's online. all mine. All ours.
2: For having us on. I appreciate it. Yeah.
0: Thank you. And Ariana, I want to get you back on here to talk about your career. For as sure. Well. Hey,
2: <laughs> I'm uh, ready. <laughs>
0: You had an incredible career, so we're going to get that done. So, all right, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks very much. Have a great night and take care of yourselves. All right, all
3: right, thank you.
0: All right, bye.